You're listening to Flaunt, Find Your Sparkle and Create a Life You Love After Infidelity or Betrayal. Have you been betrayed by life, your body, or someone that you love? You're not alone. No matter what you've been through, Naked Self-Worth helps you regain confidence, joy, and enthusiasm so you can create a life you love and flourish. Tune in weekly and learn how. Hello, welcome to Flaunt. Find your sparkle and create a life you love after infidelity and betrayal. I'm Laura Cheadle, and I am thrilled to bring today's guest to you. Why? Well, so many reasons. First of all, and I think most importantly, she has been through a betrayal. It's not that she is just somebody who has studied betrayal. She has actually been through it. She has been through it, and she's come out the other side better than before. Dr. Debbie Silber is my guest today, and we will let her talk all about recovering from betrayal. But two things that I want to point out before we get going um, is first, she did a study. During her PhD program, she did a study around healing from betrayal. So first, like I said earlier, not only has she been through it, but second, she has studied it from her point of view, but also from a bunch of other women's points of view. So with that, Dr. Debbie, welcome to the show. I'm thrilled to have you on. Oh, thank you so much. I'm really looking forward to our conversation. Yeah, me too. Now, there's so much in the world of recovering from betrayal, and I think we could talk for probably a century. But today I would like to focus primarily on trust. What happens when you're betrayed, how that trust gets violated, what it does to you, why it's important to regain that trust. So would you mind starting with a little bit of a background on you and your situation so everybody knows who you are and what you bring to the table? Sure. Well, I don't think anybody wakes up and says, you know, I think I want to study betrayal. <laughs> you know, it's, it's not that kind of topic. This is actually my 30th year in business. And as I would morph and change, so would business. So uh, it started with health and then and wellness and lifestyle and stress. And then I had betrayal. First, it was my family. And I thought I did everything I needed to heal, to do to heal from that. And then a few years later, it was my husband anybody who's been through that, you know, you're devastated, you're blindsided, you're shocked. So here I was, I, I got him out of the house because that was the deal breaker. And I had four kids and six dogs and a thriving business. And I was 50 years old. And I'm like, that's it. I'm going back for a PhD. And I didn't know how I was going to pay for it. I didn't know how I was going to manage it. But I looked at the two experiences and I said, well, what's common between these two experiences? besides me. And I said, well, you know, I never really took my needs seriously. I never, it, I never, uh, it was always about everybody else. And um, I was never even on my own to-do list. And I said, no, none of that is right. So I enrolled and, and, and I just want to clarify, it's not that, that when we're betrayed, we're the cause of it. It's just, you know, there's always so much to learn. So I enrolled in this PhD program in transpersonal psychology, the psychology of transformation and human potential. And while I was there, I did a study and I studied betrayal. What holds us back? What helps us heal? And what happens to us physically, mentally, and emotionally when the people closest to us lie, cheat, and deceive? 
that study led to three groundbreaking discoveries, which changed my health, my family, my business, my life. Mm-hmm. I appreciate so much that you went back to what's the common denominator, because like so many of us, myself included, I have been betrayed twice, once by my husband and once by a judge when I first started practicing law. It's so easy to not look at some of those root causes to just say, oh, well, he's a a bad human. She's a bad human. I am such a victim and to never actually do the work. And it is a slippery slope of, I didn't cause it. You didn't cause it. None of the listeners out there caused it, but we are contributing in some form. And what I often say is we're really betraying ourselves. So let's talk a little bit more about that. You said, I never took my needs seriously. Mm-hmm. Well, as a mom, as a wife, as a business owner, it's hard to take your own needs seriously when you're serving everybody else. Yeah, it, it's, it's huge. You know, here I was conditioned to, to believe it. I think so many women are where it's okay, well, take care of everyone else. And once that's all done, if there's any time, energy, left, well then take care of your own needs. Well, of course, by the time everybody's taken care of, we're exhausted. There's no, there's, there's no time, energy, motivation left for our own self-care. And I had, I had done that my entire life. And it wasn't even like it was in a, like in a small form. I had a lot of kids and a lot of dogs and a lot of business. So uh, I took on a lot and, uh, and it was really uh, this, this realization that unless something dramatic changes, you know, it's like that saying, if nothing changes, nothing changes. And it was huge for me to go back to school. It, it, for me, it was a, it was a really big thing. And what I, but what I found is it is only with the complete and utter death and destruction of the old, do you get to rebirth the new? And what I see with so many people and, and people coming into the PBT post-betrayal transformation Institute, they're so afraid of, of that, that complete death and destruction of the old. That's it, it's over, no more, no more old me, no more old them, no more old relationship. But in order you know, to rebirth that new, it's crucial. And without that, they're trying to patch up and fix. And you know, people ask me all the time, can trust be repaired? I say, no. Can it be rebuilt? I believe so. But it's a huge process and I look at trust uh, I look at trust as a brick wall. Here's the brick wall behind me, right? And I look at trust as this brick wall where the only way I know of it being built is brick by brick by brick. Right now, imagine the person who built that brick wall is the one to completely shatter it. Well, the per- you know, you have every right, you could look at the rubble of bricks and say, I don't have the least bit of interest watching that thing get rebuilt. No worries, walk away, you're good, you're fine, heal. However, if you're willing to watch that brick wall be rebuilt, it can only go back up the same way it went up the first time, brick by brick by brick, where each opportunity that person has to show that they're trustworthy, that's one brick in the wall. Mm -hmm. That's why it takes time. It does take time. And it doesn't really matter. I just want the listeners to know, it doesn't matter what you choose. It doesn't matter if you choose to stay or if you choose to say, forget it. But it does matter if you heal. So I wanna talk about that healing and that trust. Whether we're watching somebody 
you know, and they're placing brick at a time and we're, or we're totally separated. Why does it matter? Why do we have to learn to trust again? Because so many people say to me, I am never going to be that naive again. I am never going to be duped and I'm going to have stronger boundaries and I'm not going to trust again. So why is trust important? Right. Trust is foundational. You know, if we don't, it's almost like if you get burned on the stove and you swear off cooking, that's not fair to you, right? It's, we need to learn. But what I see is we rush to trust others. That's the mistake. And I teach a four-step trust rebuilding process. I'm happy to share it here. And it's what I talk about in trust again, uh, where it's, it's building back from the base, from where trust got shattered originally, because with betrayal, think about what happens. We don't, we certainly don't trust our betrayer and we don't trust ourselves because we're like, I'm a bright person. How did I not see? How did I, how did I not know? And we lose trust in everything and everyone. And, and it's, it's terrifying. And that sort of speaks to uh, the second discovery about the five stages. And I'm happy to get through that. Uh, share that. But with this trust rebuilding process, if if we don't rebuild that, that trust, we question everything and everyone. And think about it even from, you know, from, from like a work perspective. If you don't trust, you know, how do you trust that, that boss, that coworker, that collaborative partner? It affects everything. Besides, you know, it also affects, I see it in relationships in one of two ways. I can spot a, uh, an unhealed betrayal, two ways, with relationships, a repeat betrayal. The faces change, but it's the same thing. That's an unhealed betrayal. Or because there's this gigantic lesson, profound lesson that you need to learn. And until and unless you do, you will keep getting opportunities in the form of people to teach you you're lovable, worthy, and deserving, whatever the lesson is for you. The second way is I see it where people put the big wall up. They're like, nope, been there, done that, not doing that again. And they think it's coming from a place of strength and it's not. It's coming from a place of fear. Yes. Whole different story. Whole different story. So yeah, do you want me to share the four-step I, I absolutely do. And I just want to put a little bookmark in there, the strength and the fear that is so common and listeners, please just reflect on that for a moment, whether it's this betrayal or something else, is it strength or is it fear? Because yes, oftentimes they look alike and please let's go through that four-step process. Sure. And, and like I said, I map it all out and trust again, but here's briefly what it is. So when trust is shattered from everything and everyone, I mean, you've, you have lost trust in everything. We have to build the, the very foundation again. So we start with the most obvious no brainer things to rebuild trust. And I'm talking like as simple as will the sun rise? I don't know. So you go out every morning, take a look. Is it there? Oh, sure enough, it's there. Do I trust it? I don't know. You keep checking until you know for sure, because that's the foundation you're going to stand on. So now you have just a base of, you know, upon which to stand. From there, you have to learn to trust your gut. You have to learn to trust your wise inner guide, your intuition, because so often we turn that down. You know, I've, I've, so there were so many uh, uh, people within the study who would who said, oh, I had a feeling something was going on. I didn't trust it. I didn't pay attention. My intuition was telling me one thing, whatever. And we need to regain that trust in our wise inner guide, in our gut. And, you know, I had a mentor who said, our gut is like 10,000 times more perceptive than our mind. But what do we do? We turn it down. 
and we right. don't listen. So we have to rebuild that. So how do you do that? <coughs> Excuse me. You, you think of what does trust look like and feel like for you? Maybe it's two babies giggling. Maybe it's a dog wagging his or her tail. What does trust look like? And what does it feel like? You know, where do you feel that in your body? Does it feel open, expansive? Do you feel it in your heart? Do you feel it in, where do you feel it? Lock that in because now you're going to know, and, and I can't tell you what the feeling is because it's different for everyone. Right. And then, right. And then you want to say, okay, well, what does a lack of trust, what does mistrust look like and feel like? Go back to D-Day, Discovery Day. Go back to when you realize someone's lying right to your face. What did that feel like? What did it look like? How did your body respond? Where did you feel that? Lock that in because you're going to need that. So when you're going about your day, you're going to be checking in and you're going to say, is this conversation I'm having with this person right here, right now, does it feel closer to the two babies giggling or does it feel closer to D-Day? What's my body trying to tell me? We need to strengthen that and then we need to trust it. And you can feel this sort of like invisible bodyguard, you know, kind of giving us that sense of, sense of safety and security. So you have that foundation upon which to stand. You have, you, you trust your gut. You trust that wise inner guide. And then from there, you have to learn to trust yourself again, right? Because we lose trust in ourselves. Oh, and yes. what, what you do with that is you give yourself little tasks. I'm going to drink that glass of water. And then you do, I'm going to go to the gym and then you do, I will not call my ex and then you don't, whatever it is for you. And what you're doing here is you're showing yourself, my word is law. If I say something, I mean it. I am trustworthy. So you can see now you have the base you're standing on, you trust your gut, you trust yourself. So you have that protection from that place and only from that place do you then slowly, cautiously and carefully trust in other people. Ah, uh-huh. Very You see what I mean? We miss the whole other three steps and we go right for that fourth step and we're not ready. Right. Right. And being conditioned to be the good little girl, to be the good employee, to be all this stuff, we are taught that father knows best, mother knows best, employee knows best, somebody else knows best instead of wait a minute, do I know best or or how do I feel? So I, I love that. I am a huge fan of the intuition and trusting your gut. So that absolutely makes sense. So what is it like when we don't learn how to trust again? What are some of the impacts on our bodies, our minds, our spirits? Why should people take the time and take the effort to build this foundation, to trust their gut, to give themselves tax, tasks, and then to ultimately start trusting other? What's the benefit? You know, the benefit is, and, and like I said, this is my 30th year in business and I have a, a, a heavy health background. And one of the things, this was the third discovery. We actually found that there's a collection of symptoms, physical, mental, and emotional, so common to betrayal. It's known as post-betrayal syndrome. We've had over 25,000 people probably by this point take the post-betrayal syndrome quiz to see to what extent they're struggling. A few things about that. The first one is we've all heard time heals all wounds. I have the proof that's not true no. because people write things like 
my betrayal happened 40 years ago and I can feel the hate. My betrayal happened 35 years ago. I'm unwilling to trust again. My betrayal happened 30 years ago. I still can't get over it. So we know time, you know, it may distract us, soften it a little bit, but it does not heal betrayal. The other thing about that is that there is this collection of symptoms that so often we look at it and say, oh, it's stress. Oh, it's aging. Oh, no, it's not. Right. It's your betrayal. So this is why it's so important to, to really heal that so we can trust again, love again, feel safe again. And what's so interesting is I see people going from, you know, to the most well-meaning doctors, coaches, healers, therapists to manage a stress-related symptom, illness, condition, disease. And at the root of it is an unhealed betrayal. Every few months I pull some stats to see mm-hmm what's showing up. I, I, I have them. If you want me to share Please, some, I love, I'm an attorney. I like stats. <laughs> okay. You're going to love this then. Woo-hoo! Okay. So this is, this is uh, out of the people who take the post-betrayal syndrome quiz. We have every age represented almost every country. Okay. So 78% constantly revisit their experience. That's exhausting. That's right? Huge. There, right? Yeah. yeah. 81% feel a loss of personal power. 80% are hypervigilant. 94% deal with painful triggers, right? And that, that is, it's so painful. And you and I both know how horrible they could be, right? Okay, these are the most common physical symptoms to answer the question you asked me earlier. 71% have low energy, 68% have sleep issues, 63% extreme fatigue. So you can sleep a whole night long, wake up, you're exhausted. That's an adrenal issue right there. have weight changes. So maybe in the beginning, you can't hold food down. Later on, you're using food for comfort. 45% have digestive issues. That's anything from uh, constipation, diarrhea, IBS, Crohn's, you name it. And what's so interesting about, think about the gut, the gut is our second brain. Yes. The gut also digests, absorbs, and processes food. Well, isn't a betrayal difficult to absorb digest and process. I love that. Those are just the physical. So now here are some mental symptoms. 78% are overwhelmed, 70% walking around in a state of disbelief, 68% unable to focus, 64% are in shock, and 62% are unable to concentrate. So imagine you're unable to concentrate, you have a gut issue, you're exhausted, and now here you are, you're supposed to work, raise your kids, right? That's not even the emotional issues. 88% extreme sadness, 83% anger, 82% are hurt, 80% have anxiety, 79% are stressed. Here's why I wrote the book, Trust Again, ready? 84% have an inability to trust. 67% prevent themselves from forming deep relationships because they're afraid of being hurt again. 82% find it hard to move forward and 90% want to move forward, but they don't know how. Uh Uh-huh. That's huge. That is huge. And what I want to point out too, because like you, like me, many of our listeners have probably had more than one betrayal, but Mm -hmm. it's my guess that they haven't identified that what happened to them was a betrayal. Yeah. And, And what I mean by that is bad things happen. Yes, we get it. Bad things happen. It's, it's, you know, whatever, but realizing it's a betrayal and it's impacting me physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually is a huge step. And that's my hope, listeners, that you can make 
today that you might be able to look back and say, oh my gosh, when my mom did that to me, that was a betrayal of trust. Or, mm -hmm. you know, when my coworker did this or my boss did that, or someone so took credit for my ideas. Wow, I never thought about it this way, but that's a betrayal. And I wonder if that impacted me. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And that's it. You know, sometimes it's just hearing the word and then people say, wow, I never really looked at it like that, but yes, that's what that was. Mm -hmm. And you know, the, the good news is you can heal from all of it, all of it. I mean, that's what we see within the PBT Institute. We have our members coming in with, with all of these symptoms of post-betrayal transformation you know, sim syndrome, and then moving through the five stages, which I'm happy to share, getting to that place of post-betrayal transformation, which is the complete and total healing after betrayal. Yes. And I do want to go there because we talk about post-betrayal syndrome, which mm -hmm. is the problem. And then we talk about post-betrayal transformation, which is the healing. And I'm thinking that so many people don't understand what that means. Does sure. it, you know, because I'm thinking, does it mean, oh, I don't think about it that much or, well, I got remarried and it's in the past, or there's so many different levels of understanding around that. So let's yeah. start with a common definition of what is post-betrayal syndrome? What is post-betrayal healing? And what is that journey like? Sure. So post-betrayal syndrome is that collection of symptoms so common to betrayal, the physical, the mental, and the emotional. So it's a, it's that collection of symptoms. And we have a quiz on the site that, you know, where you can just take it and find to what extent are you still struggling? Post-betrayal transformation, this emerged from the data. And what happened was originally I was studying betrayal and uh, post-traumatic growth. Post-traumatic growth, for those who, who don't know, it's like the kind of the upside of trauma, how any trauma, death of a loved one, disease, natural disaster, whatever, leaves you with a new insight, awareness, perspective that you didn't have. Like maybe you lose someone you love and you realize, well, life is short, something like that, yeah. you know, to, to give you a brief example. And I was like, I've been through death of a loved one. I've been through disease. I was in the ICU for 11 days. So it's a miracle I'm alive. But I was like, mm -mm. betrayal feels different, but I didn't want to assume. So I asked all my study participants and I said, if you've been through other traumas, does it feel different for you? Every single one of them said, oh my gosh, it's so different. And here's why. Because betrayal feels so intentional, we take it so personally. So the whole self has to be rebuilt. Rejection, abandonment, confidence, worthiness, belonging, trust, they're all shattered and they all need to be rebuilt. So you are completely rebuilding the self. So if I were to give you an equation, it would look like this. Post-traumatic growth, kind of the upside of healing, rebuilding life after trauma, plus rebuilding the self equals post-betrayal transformation. So post-betrayal transformation is the complete and total rebuild. You are through the five stages of betrayal, and that's the other uh, other discovery. You are clear through the, uh, the other side of, uh, of your healing in this very new healed state. I have yet to find someone stronger than, uh, than someone who's fully healed from betrayal. Yeah, oh, absolutely, absolutely. Thank you for breaking it down, rebuilding the self and rebuilding the trauma, because I think that's easy, easier to grasp onto. Mm -hmm. We have a task. What is that task? A and B, and these are the steps for each. So tell us more about some of those steps. Where should somebody begin? Should they begin with the trauma? Should they begin with the self? When everything is shattered, when 
everything is burned down, sometimes yeah. it's difficult to know where to begin. Yeah. Well, the, you know, it's always helpful to know what stage you're in. And that's why it's, it's important to know the stages and, and I can get to that after, but it's, um, you know, I think the first thing is realizing you're not crazy, you're not alone, and you can heal from all of it. I mean, that's that's the basic, what you need to know. The other thing you need to know is even though it happened to you, it's not about no, you. No, not about you at all. If you have to say that to yourself a hundred million times, it's worth it. And, and that's a really hard one to understand early on. Um, the other thing is, and, and I use this, I talk about this analogy of a house a lot. And I think this is really helpful to share because it's so easy to get stuck after an experience, you know, with betrayal and shattered trust. And this is the difference and, and really what betrayal lends itself to. Betrayal lends itself to transformation. It's the it catalyst for transformation. So here's here's the the analogy using using a house. Here's resilience versus transformation. Resilience is like restoring, bringing back. You need that for your everyday. Transformation, trauma, and transformation, whole different thing. So let's just say you have a house, and that house needs a paint job, and you paint. That would be resilience. You're bringing it back. You're restoring it. Or let's say it needs a new roof, and you you know you put on the new roof. You're restoring. That's resilience. You're bringing it back. Here's trauma and transformation. A tornado comes by and levels the house, right? A new paint job's not going to fix it. And a new roof's not going to fix it. Now, here's the thing. You actually have every right to stand there at the lot where your house once stood and say, this is the absolute worst thing that's ever happened. And you'd be right. Mm -hmm. And you can call over everybody you know and say, isn't this the most horrible thing you've ever seen? And every single person you bring over will agree. Yes. And you have every right to mourn the loss of your house until your last breath. However, if you choose to rebuild the house, you don't have to, but if you choose to, why would you build the same house? There's nothing there, right? Why right. not make it bigger, better, more beautiful? That's the opportunity. And that's whether that's rebuilding yourself, right? And rebuilding is always a choice, whether you rebuild yourself and move on. That's what I do with my family or if the situation lends itself, if you're willing, if you want to, you rebuild something entirely new with the person who hurt you. And that's what I did with my husband. So not long ago, we married each other again. New rings, new vows, new dress, and our four kids is our bridal party. Um, so rebuilding, at the very least, you rebuild yourself no matter what. And I, right. and I find the strongest and healthiest uh, marriages after betrayal involve this complete and total rebuild. Yes. Yes. Thank you for clarifying and for stating and for claiming that too, because it does require us to rebuild ourselves first, because Mm -hmm. otherwise we're just going into a marriage with deficits or a relationship with deficits, or we're spending the rest of our life being bitter and resentful. And that's no fun. And it's not fair to you. You've been through the worst of it already. You owe it to yourself to heal. And it's interesting. There were three groups in the study who did not heal. And I'll tell you that the group where the betrayer had very little consequences, you know, they just, uh, they just 
desperately tried to put it behind them. And whether this was for religious reasons, financial fear, um, not wanting to break up a family, fear in general, fear of the unknown, they just tried to patch it up. That's the resilience piece, just trying to patch it up. I saw two things with this group, a further deterioration of the relationship. And, and the second thing was this group was by far the most physically sick. Your heart can't handle that. No, 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 no. no. So do you have a tip or some insight into how to know if you're just trying to patch it up and put it behind you, Mm -hmm. or if you really have healed and you really are okay? How, How do you know? How do you know? Well, what, you know, forgiveness is huge, right? But that's, that's always about us. Reconciliation has so much to do with the other person. So, you know, really when it, because when we, and I remember reading a study and it said, when we feel safe and valued and we forgive, we feel better. When we do not feel safe and valued and we forgive, we feel worse. Now, of course, forgiveness is for us, but I think so often we, we're just like, this is so bad. This is so uncomfortable. This is so hard. This is so different. This is so awkward. Okay. You're ready. Forget it. Right. Just, and that is the worst thing you could do. It's when you venture into the unknown and just work on you, you have no idea what you'll find. You're going to find the strongest, most healthy, healed version of you that never would have had an opportunity to show up had that experience not happened. Right. And, and that's, that's the piece that's so terrifying, but so transformative. Right. And you can't fake it. You know, that's one of those things. Sometimes I've had people come to me and say, why do I actually have to go through this? Can I just do the work now? And it's like, oh, wouldn't that be wonderful? Wouldn't that be wonderful if we could just say, yeah, I'm just going to do the work on Tuesdays and Thursdays between four and six, I will get all the work done. And then this won't happen to me. Yeah, no, this is, this is, um, uh, and I tell members in our community all the time, it's the hardest, but the most transformative work you'll ever do. Absolutely. You are facing your demons, you're slaying your dragons, you're dealing with all of it, you know, all at once, all at once. And it's all coming at you. And then, you know, you're doing this with, for many of us, while you're working, while you're raising your kids, while you're, you know, while you're managing all of it. And I remember that struggle and it was, it was real. And, and my kids knew my husband actually was the one who told them. And um, I think that's probably one of the reasons why he transformed the, mm-hmm. to the level that he did, because when you sit your four kids down, your four teenage kids, and they look at you like you did what to our mom, if anything is going to have you uh, wake up and realize what matters, it's losing everything that matters. And he did. And, uh, and, and it was, I remember this time period of just telling the kids, listen, I, I, I love you fiercely. I'm going to do the best I can, but I'm, I'm not working at full capacity here. So, you know, I'm not, my intention is certainly not to burden you, but I'm always going to be real and you're going to, you're seeing mom crash, but you will see her rise. Absolutely. And there is no better lesson. I believe that we can show our children than, yeah, I can crash, I can burn and I can rise again. And I get it. You know, I would never tell a parent how to raise their kids. Every parent, you know, they're on their own. This happened to have been my experience and seeing now who they are, uh, older, wiser, 
wiser, stronger. They know how to cope. They've seen me. They, they've seen an example of, okay, this is what, this is what crash and burn looks like. Mm-hmm. And I've watched mom heal and move forward and keep going. And if she can do it, I can do it too. Yeah, absolutely. Because it won't happen to our kids. No, they will. They will. And in my estimation, that's one of the problems with our society and the mental health crises in our society is so many of us are unwilling to face our demons, to face our shadow, to admit to the pain, to admit to our shadow. And then it's just perfect. And I'm just going to look at, here's my Instagram picture. Yay. And here's my social media post. Yay. It's perfect. What do you mean you're struggling? We don't struggle. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I, that doesn't resonate with me at all. And and I just feel like I, I wear every emotion. It's like, here it is. So (laughs) people would find me out anyway. So it's better off being honest. It's easier. Absolutely. Absolutely. We're going to take a quick break. And then when we come back, I'd like to talk a little bit more about forgiveness and reconciliation. And also that piece of, we have no control over other people and what they do and don't choose what they can and can't say, do, be. So we will be right back. Do you feel betrayed by life, your body, or by someone that you love? You are not alone and you are not weak or overly emotional for feeling the way that you do. Betrayal is one of the most overwhelmingly painful experiences to navigate because it strikes at the core of who you are and what you are worth. No matter how gutted you feel, there is hope. You can flourish, not in spite of your experience, but because of it, I know. After 23 years of marriage, my world was shattered when I found out that my husband had been cheating on me with five different women for 15 years. I lost everything that day, my identity, my worth, and the future I had worked so hard to create. While it was a long and arduous journey back to myself, today I know who I am, what I want, and I am happier and more confident than I ever was before. I've got what I call naked self-worth, which is the ability to see, know, and love yourself for who you are, not for what you accomplished or for who you are in relation to others. No matter what has shattered your heart, if you're ready to get clear on who you are, what you want, and to learn how good life really can be, then life choreography is for you. Even if you feel too old or are too busy because you have kids at home and you're in charge of everything. Life choreography is a comprehensive five-month, five-step program that empowers you to strip out of your labels, roles, and scripts and to reveal yourself as you are, not as you think you should be. To learn more, go to nakedselfworth.com and download your free guide that shows you how to untangle yourself from the past, reclaim your sexy, and start re-choreographing life on your own terms so you can love and be loved for exactly who you most authentically are. All right, we are back with the amazing Dr. Debbie Silber, and we're talking about all things trust, all things 
betrayal, and also all things post-betrayal transformation. And for this half of the show, I'd like to dive into forgiveness, which, as she said earlier, is about us. It's not something we do for the other person. It's something we do for us because we want to feel better. We're also going to talk about reconciliation because both she and I did reconcile with our husbands. But I also want to kind of move into that next fearful, scary space of, oh my gosh, I've healed, I've recovered, I've trusted. What if? What if it goes bad again? What if? What if? What if? And just wrap up with that. So welcome back. And let's start with that forgiveness piece. Forgiveness is huge, but when it's, you know, it needs to be done at a certain time. And, you know, within the five stages, we, we recommend it and we help, uh, we help members move through it. And actually our programs even just move them through it anyway, uh, at a certain time, because when it's too early, it just backfires. It just doesn't work. And it goes along the same line as how long it takes to trust. So if trust, if you look at it like, wow, it's going to take some time to trust, give yourself some slack. It may take time to forgive. And we do that for a few reasons. You know, it's um, when we withhold forgiveness, where first we're grappling with, wait a second, if I forgive, am I giving the green light that it's okay? Am I a sucker? Am am I setting myself up for it to happen again? No, uh, you're not. And then it's also our ego is screaming. I know mine certainly was. There was not one cell of me that was okay with betrayal. And and the, the struggle with that was huge. And there's something, some part of us that it's almost like, well, if I, if I forgive, I'm giving you something you've already taken so much. This is something I'm in control over. So there are so many reasons why we withhold forgiveness. And, um, but we, but it's also debilitating when we hang on to it for so long, it's, it's preventing us from the health, the freedom, the joy, the, the opportunities that we have access to when we, when we let go. And, um, and, and, you know, we see this within the five stages where we know the moment someone forgives, we know they have moved from the hardest place to leave mm-hmm. to where transformation begins. And most people I'll tell you, and it doesn't matter if their betrayal happened 20, 30, 40 years ago, most people get stuck in stage three out of the five stages and they have no idea what's waiting for them. So, you know, it's just, it's so important to realize what stage you're in. So, you know, what you can do with that. That makes sense. And let us know what those five stages are, because you said most people get stuck in stage three and I want to make sure people know, ah, that's me or, Hey, where am I? Oh, they will know exactly where they are from when I share them. So I I map them out and trust again. It's what we teach within the Institute, but here I'm going to give you a brief summary. So uh, stage one is like a setup stage. And I saw this with every study participant, me too. If you imagine four legs of a table, the four legs being physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual. What I saw with everyone was this real heavy lean on the physical and the mental and kind of neglecting the emotional and the spiritual. What does that look like? looks like we're really good at thinking and doing Uh and not really prioritizing the feeling and being. And that's where our intuition lies. That's not to say if you're thinking and doing, if you're busy, you know, it's a setup for betrayal. It's just what I saw. It was just a setup. Stage two, 
by far the scariest stage. And this is the breakdown of the body, the mind, the worldview. Yes. Here's D-Day, Discovery Day. Here's where that person takes the mask off and says, this is who I've really been this whole time. And you're right here, you've ignited the stress response. So you're headed for every single stress-related symptom, illness, condition, disease. Your mind is in a complete state of chaos and overwhelm. You cannot wrap your mind around the information you just received. This makes no, no sense. You, like you're in that weird slow time thing. And your worldview has just been shattered. Your worldview is your mental model. Trust this person. Don't go there. This is how life works. These are the rules. And in a moment, it's all shattered, all gone. And the bottom has bottomed out on you. And a new bottom hasn't been formed yet. So it's terrifying. But think about it. If the bottom were to bottom out on you, what would you do? You would grab hold of anything and everything you could to stay safe and stay alive. That's three. Survival instincts emerge. It's the most practical of all of the stages. If you can't help me get out of my way, how will I survive this experience? Who can I trust? Where do I go? How do I feed my kids? Right. Here's the trap. This is the trap. Ready? Once you've figured out how to survive, because it feels so much better than the shock and trauma of where you just came from, you're like, okay, we got this. Okay. And you think it's good. So you start planting roots here. You're not supposed to stay here long, but you have no idea there's a stage four and stage five waiting for you. So a few things start to happen. The first thing, you get these small self benefits. You get your story. Yeah. You get to be right. You get someone to blame. You get a target for your anger. You get sympathy from everyone you tell your story to. You don't have to do the hard work of learning to trust again. Should I trust you? Should I trust you? Ah, forget it. I won't trust anybody. Right. right. So you plant deeper roots. While you're here, because those roots are being planted, now your mind starts doing things like, well, maybe you deserved it. Maybe you're not that great. Maybe it's you, right? At deeper roots. Mm-hmm. And now because like energy attracts like energy, you're calling situations and circumstances and people towards you to confirm this is where you belong. It gets worse. I'll get you out of here though. (laughs) Because you don't like it, but you have no idea there's anything better. There's a stage four and stage five. Here's where you resign yourself to thinking, well, this is as good as it's going to be. So I better find a way to get used to it. You're not happy but you just resign yourself. So right here is where you start using food, drugs, alcohol, work, TV, keeping busy, reckless behavior to numb, avoid, distract yourself from what is so painful to feel and face. So think about it. You do it for a day, a week, a month. Now it's a habit. Yep. A year, five years, 10 years, 20 years. And I can see someone 20 years out and say, you know what that emotional eating you're doing, you know, that drinking you're doing, whatever. Do you think it has anything to do with your betrayal? And they would look at me and say, oh my gosh, are you crazy? That happened 20 years ago. Doesn't matter. Yeah. Put themselves in that stage three and that's where they stayed. And that's why most people get there and stay there. Anyway, if you're willing to let go of the small self benefits and all you receive from staying there, you grieve, you mourn, there's a bunch of things you need to do. You move to stage four. Stage four is finding and adjusting to a new normal. Here's where you acknowledge, I can't undo 
my betrayal, but I can't control what I do with it. So I always use the example of if you've ever moved to a new house, office, condo, apartment, whatever, your stuff's not there. It's not quite cozy yet, but it's going to be okay. And when you're in this stage, what you're doing is you're turning down the stress response. You're not healing just yet, but you stopped causing the massive damage you were causing in stage two and stage three. What's so interesting about this stage also is, think about it, if you were to move, you don't take everything with you. No. You don't take the stuff that doesn't represent who you want to be in that new space. Well, what I saw was, if your friends weren't there for you, right here is where you've outgrown them. You don't take them with you. No. And people say to me all the time, Debbie, what the heck? I've had these friends 10, 20, 30 years. Is it me? Yes, it is. You're undergoing a transformation. And you know what? They're not coming. That's it. They're not coming with you. So anyway, you're in this stage four, you're making it home. You're feeling okay there. You can slowly move into the fifth and most beautiful stage. And this is healing rebirth in a new worldview. The body starts to heal. You've turned down the stress response, self-love, self-care, eating well, exercising. You didn't have the bandwidth for that earlier. You were surviving. Now you do. You're making new rules, new boundaries based on your experience, based on what you see so clearly. And you have a new worldview based on the road you just traveled. And the four legs of the table, remember in the beginning, it was the physical and the mental. By this point, we're solidly grounded because we're focused on the emotional and the spiritual too. Those are the five stages. Perfect. And that's the perfect segue into that reconciliation. Because unless you get through to that fifth stage, reconciliation Mm -hmm. isn't going to happen. And I can imagine how toxic a reconciliation in that third stage would be. Yeah, because there's no healing hasn't happened yet. And that's, that's the space right there where people say, well, it's just so uncomfortable. Okay, fine. Right. That's the group, that group where, where the betrayer had no consequences. That's where they were. You know, and they just reconciled because they thought it was it was easier. They thought uh, just for, like I said, religious reasons, that was a big one, um, financial fear, whatever it was. And they there was so much anxiety, so much mistrust, so much pain, but they just reconciled anyway. And they wondered, why does this keep happening? Why is this? Why am I so sick? Why is it only getting worse? Well, that's why. And I, I, I tell everyone, everyone, you know, your job after betrayal is to get yourself to your physical, mental, and emotional best mm-hmm. without any clue of what's going to show up. Right. And from that space, from that space, your partner could step up and say, I better step up here to meet the strength of this person or you've clearly outgrown them. And if you have, well, someone at that new level will show up, but you never want to date anybody or do anything before then. It's just no. not, not a good place to, to do that. No. And that's where I wanted to go next was that frustration of when we do see that we're growing and we do have this new worldview and all of a sudden we're like, oh my gosh. And there are friends and family members who we love, who we'd like to bring along with us. Or we have a spouse and we have the Cinderella fantasy that we can make it work if they only did this, if they could only see this, if they only, if only. And in my work, I talk a lot about the if only is in the but fours. How do you, what do you advise people to do to understand it's just you and you can't control or change anybody else? You can't. And it's so hard because 
you know, everybody has their own reasons why they're suggesting something or not, you, you know, and, and it's coming from their lens and they don't understand, or they're just not in your shoes. They just don't get it. And I've seen time after time how the wrong type of support does more harm than good. I mean, we have people coming into the Institute all the time with therapy trauma, you know, where, where, where they're getting blamed for their partner's betrayal. Now, of course, we always want to say, well, like, who, who was I during this experience? That doesn't mean it's our fault. No. You know? and, and so there's, there's so much damage that the wrong type of support can, can cause. And, you know, really what we teach is it's, it's what the research proved we need. And the 25,000 people who've taken the post-betrayal syndrome quiz, and then I saw what wasn't working. And what wasn't working was that sort of like the support, the ain't it awful club, you know, where it's almost right. like when you're healing and you don't belong. I was like, that doesn't really make sense to me. Or people who are numbing, avoiding, distracting, because you don't heal that way. No. Or they'd go to, to a therapist, just talk therapy. And while that's important on one level, if we don't address this on every level, it doesn't heal. Right. I love the four legs of the table because that is so true. And that's why I use a lot of the burlesque and the dancing and the somatic movement in my work. We get it up here. We understand, oh, I see that stage three. I see how you can get stuck. But until you're doing it and you're feeling it and you're being it, you can read all the books in the world and you're still not going to get there. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's just... Um, it, it, it's one of those things that it, it needs to go through, uh, you know, we need to heal physically, mentally, emotionally, psychologically, and spiritually. And that's why even, you know, within the Institute, we have our certified coaches. Yes, they're certified in the five stages, but they're coming in with 20, 30 plus years of, of chronic pain, of trauma, of uh, addiction, of narcissism, of reconciliation, like they're specializing in all these areas because it would be crazy for me to think if someone just, you know, listens to me, I have the answer. No, this takes a village. And that's why, you know, we, we have the village. And so. that's what I love about the Post-Betrayal Institute is that breadth of the different coaches. It's a similar program. Yes, but everybody's story is different. And we understand what we have lived through. And mm -hmm. It's okay. I, I like that you talked about the damage from therapy because therapy is huge and I'm a huge proponent, but I'm also a huge proponent of changing therapists when you need to change because we all have different needs and we resonate differently with different people. And, you know, the other thing too, is it, it, there are, there are so many people who, oh, I've had, you know, I've been seeing my therapist 10, 20, 30, 40 years. Now that's wonderful if it's different topics and things right. that come up, you know, but if you are talking about the same topic, for decades, no. I don't know. I, I listen. I'm a psychologist, but I'm a coach first. I want to hear the story for this, like. So, what do we do with it? Not just to hear the story, right? I don't know. It, it's a different, uh, a different philosophy. But like I said, I, the idea of sharing and and offloading a, a, a huge topic. It is. It's crucial. But when it's just the same topic, I, over and over for decades. That's my, that's my issue. <laughs> Absolutely. And my listeners and I are all very much into the whole law of attraction. And if you keep telling the same story, you keep getting that same energy back. So 
Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Right. And and that's the thing. And, and we'll see it. Like, I know someone will come to me, you know, arms folded and they're like, I want to heal. I'm like, no, you don't. You no, don't. you don't. You have to give all that up. So, and, and I can tell when someone has rehearsed their story and shared it thousands of times, and that becomes the second skin and it's not going anywhere. It's yeah. not going anywhere. And, it, you know, unless they are willing to let go of that story mm-hmm. for one that serves them so much better, it's, mm-hmm on them. And that's just the way it's going to be. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And they have every right to do that if they want. It's, it's serving them on that small self level. They're just unaware of what's waiting for them when they give up that story for a much better story. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, think about it. I had a story of the most important people in my life all betrayed me. And if I told that to anybody, I'd get all kinds of sympathy, but instead there's a story of I healed and now thousands of others are too. I like that better. That's a good story. Yeah, (laughs) that makes more sense. And that's the piece that I kind of want to close with. Um, And it's not meant to be a downer. It's meant to be an empowering thing. But I've healed, you've healed, we've done our work, and Mm -hmm. something can still show up. I've had so many people say, you've done this and you've put all this trust in your husband and blah, blah, blah. He could do it again. And I often say, you're right. I mean, you are right. And I guess the point is, and I'm curious your take on the situation, mm-hmm. people can betray me and that's okay because I know how to manage it and I'm clear in my boundaries. And yeah, I, I'm just curious your take on that situation because yeah. we all like I, to think happily ever after it's over now. It's never over. Right. You know, it, it's, it's, it's so interesting because I just feel like once you've done the work to heal, you have a set of tools and skills that if anybody were to betray you, you just know how to handle it. Like, for example, if my husband were, yeah, like, I really look at it like this was the, and we, we actually, uh, you talk about law of attraction. We, um, you know, I met with a, an intuitive coach after this, cause we don't trust anything. Right. And right. She, I walked in and before I even sat down, she said, Oh my gosh, how you two plan this. It's like, what? She said, yeah, yeah. He needed to crash and burn. So he becomes the husband, father, friend he's supposed to be. And you, you needed to crash and burn. So you would heal and then teach from this place of knowing you're going to have an institute. You're going to write books. You're going to have this huge following around betrayal. I'm like you're crazy. <laughs> right. Right. So, so I looked at it like, Maybe there was a real reason in my case for this, but okay, even though that's the case, if it were to happen again, there and and my entire family knows there would be not even a second of listening to a reason or no, no, that's it. I'm not, I wouldn't be willing to lit to, to, to tolerate it for one second with, and I'm not saying it in a, in a mean defensive way. I'm saying it in a, in a knowing place. Right. A place of integrity and strength and boundaries and absolute trust in yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Because people do, you know, that's the thing you will come across people and you'll, now the difference is you're, you're resonating at a much higher level. So the other people, they feel that. And very often you're playing in a very different sandbox, but you're, if you come across people like that, you're also, your BS meter is so sharpened and so strong. So you want to think that you would kind of sniff that out a little bit sooner. Uh, but, but if it, if something were to happen again, you'd have the tools and, and ability to move through it, to deal with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, very well said. I'd like to close by asking you a deep, personal, beautiful soul question. 
All of my work around, revolves around the five steps of flaunt. And flaunt is an acronym for find your fetish, laugh out loud, accept unconditionally the golden center of flaunt, navigate the negative and trust in your truth. And the reason I use burlesque is I believe once we strip down, once we get metaphorically naked, that's the only place our own truth can come out. So mm -hmm. Debbie, what is your most authentic, deep, beautiful truth? You know, my, my truth is that it's all about love. Love heals all. I know that sounds so simple, but it's so true. That's the only thing that matters. That's the most necessary ingredient with any relationship if in every aspect of life. And if anything shows you what matters, it's losing everything that matters. So I just go with love. Ah, uh, and I love that you went with love. <laughs> and then where can listeners find out more about you, take the quiz, find out what stage they're in, all of that good stuff? Sure. So I, it's, I really recommend everybody take that quiz to see to what extent they're struggling. And they can find that at the PBT, as in post-betrayal transformation, the pbtinstitute.com forward slash quiz. Wonderful. And I will put that in the show notes. Thank you so much for being here. I had an absolute gem of a time and listeners have an amazing week. And as usual, always remember to flaunt all that you are because who you are is always more than enough. Tune in next time to flaunt, find your sparkle and create a life you love after infidelity or betrayal with radio host and live choreographer, Laura Cheadle, every Wednesday at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. Eastern time on syndicated Dream Vision 7 radio network. Develop naked self-worth and reclaim your confidence, enthusiasm and joy so you can create a life you love and embrace who you are today. Download your free Sparkle Through Betrayal Recovery Guide at NakedSelfWorth.com.